raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. This segment, we'll be talking a little bit about Joe Biden's flip-flopping on how to handle international affairs regarding Taiwan and Jake Sullivan, uh, national security advisor, inadequate to the task of explaining this discrepancy. But before we cover that, of course, you just heard in uh, the half-hour update uh, from Fox News, Mike Pence officially making his announcement after having made the pre-announcement that he indeed did intend to announce he was going to be president or uh, running for president. Now the announcement's been made, so there we go. Former vice president, former uh, governor of India, uh, Indiana, the hanger-on known as Mike Pence. And the crowd goes mild. <laughs> Yay. I, and, and by the way, the same thing from... Uh, uh, governor of North Dakota, Doug Bergman, also joining the Who? race. Yeah, I don't know. I, so I'm just going to be calling Mike Pence and Doug Bergman uh, Bergie and the Black Eyed VPs Nice. from this point forward. I'm amazed. So this is the fun thing about Mike Pence. And and, and again, as someone who he was my congressman, you know, he appointed me to West Point back in the day. I like him and I like his family as, as people. Uh, but in this case, I genuinely cannot think of more than three people in the entire state of Indiana, much less the whole country, who want to see him run for president. I can only assume he's a glutton for punishment. He must. This is his last chance at relevancy. And we know deep in his heart, Mike has yearned for the presidency since he was but a lad. Um, certainly the entire time he was in Congress, he's been angling for uh, the larger seated office. Um, of course, he was he was almost he was a hair, just an inch away from losing reelection from Indiana governor when he was saved, uh, uh, snatched from the jaws of defeat by Donald Trump and elevated to vice president. He thought he was going to be uh, the Trump third term in the same way George W., the daddy, was the third term of the uh, Reagan administration, but that was not to be. So my opinion on Pence is, is really relegated to the three core factions, uh, three of the four core factions of the Republican Party. So your four core factions that you have are your populists, you have your traditional conservatives. Um, you have your more establishment Republican kind of Bushian types. And then you have the the 99% of actual libertarians. So those are your four factions of the Republican Party. Where's the Party. evangelicals? Uh, they're tradcons, traditional conservatives. Okay. So your populists I, I put them are- in their own class, but uh, all right. Populists are supporting Trump. Your traditional conservatives are supporting DeSantis. The establishment Republicans are fractured. They have no idea who to support. They don't know whether they want to support Nikki Haley. They don't know if they want to support all of the other, like, very weird blobs entering the race, like Chris Christie. Uh, just kind of the very status uh, yeah, quo Christie. corporate friends. And now Mike Pence enters the race and basically splits the establishment uh, Republican vote further. I just don't really see who on his team really thought this was a great idea. And I know people that are on his team, and I've asked the question, I've got nothing in response, What's the the reason for? The only thing that I can possibly fathom for most of these candidates, like Nikki Haley, like Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, a lot of the VP candidates want to be Trump's VP. Nikki Haley is openly simping for Trump to be his VP. 
Mike Pence has no chance to be anyone's vice president. I don't see why he's running. Now, what's your take on how this helps or hinders uh, the Trump no nomination campaign uh, in the primaries? Because I'm getting flashbacks to the 2016 primary campaign when the field was crowded, when there was a dozen Republicans, when the everyone no. was split. They didn't know who to no, support. No, I don't see it. And then by the time they figured out, uh, oh, Ted Cruz, it was too late. And okay. Trump was already running away with it. So, Are we going to have that happen again? No, and here's why. First of all, DeSantis is gaining ground in eight different state polls. Trump well, is losing ground ground considerably uh, as far as the other candidates they're also starting to lose ground because vivek ramaswamy came out as an incredible hypocrite when he said that trans individuals are, are perfectly normal adults and should be serving in the military without question uh given the mental health state and suicide rates no uh, and so he's flip-flopped on that like 80 times. I pointed that out when he started running, by the way, when he said the trans issue is not the hill to die on. People aren't going to be going for him. Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Bergie, and all of the other Republican candidates are not even polling well. And by the way, you get less people coming out to vote for you than participate in polls. <laughs> So I just don't, I think that they're just going to fizzle out. I don't really see anyone doing anything here. Did you see the report by CNN where they were promoting the Chris Christie campaign? And they're like, well, you know, I really think he has a shot to take a few legitimate swipes at Donald Trump. Really, guys? So he came out today so, and said that if you so don't believe that Putin is as bad as Hitler, then you're an idiot and don't deserve to like have the right to vote. Uh, so okay. again, Captain Hyperbole over here saying yeah. that if, if you don't think that it's Hitler, then I don't know. And it's like, okay, okay. No, no kind of complexities here. Excellent. 10 out of 10. <sighs> we got a mess going on in the uh, race for the nomination, but the only serious candidates right now are obviously DeSantis and Trump, maybe Tim Scott. How no. do you feel? No, no. He's, he's running. He's, he's running got an to be interesting story. He's yes, I, I love him. I've heard him speak. I, I am a guy who would love to see him as the vice presidential candidate. He's not running to be president. He's not. He's running to be VP. He wants to be DeSantis VP. Nikki Haley wants to be Trump's VP. Ramaswamy uh, is starting to peter out. He wants to be Trump's VP. That's just the way it is. Now, part of the reason we're having this discussion is because it is so incredibly important for us to get this right in choosing the correct nominee to run against Joe Biden because we desperately cannot afford another four years of the gross incompetence coming out of this administration and quite frankly the danger that this administration is putting the American people in through its uh, various policies including flip-flopping on how to handle international affairs like Taiwan where the president has not once not twice but on four separate occasions affirmed United United States troop, troops would militarily intervene were an incursion from China to occur. And I know he's posturing in part because he invited the incursion on Ukraine when he said that the United States would not involve itself if Russia made an attack. And then, boom, it happened. So now he's got a posture against Taiwan, but that's putting it at odds with stated policy. And now national security advisors and others are having to speak for the president and say, oh, no, no, the chief executive, he didn't mean that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not what he said. President Biden has four times now said unequivocally, the United States will come to Taiwan's assistance uh, if there is a Chinese attack on it. Um, what is President Biden trying to alter the policy of strategic ambiguity about what the United States would do in this circumstance? 
and be very clear about it? And if that's the case, is that not a change in policy? So President Biden has answered this hypothetical question on multiple occasions, as you say. He has also, on multiple occasions, including in the very same breath, said that our policy towards cross-strait relations towards China and Taiwan has not changed, that it is rooted in the one-China policy, the three joint communiques, the Taiwan Relations Act. That remains the fundamental foundation of our policy. The president himself has said that. He said it directly to Xi Jinping. But, but there's a contradiction there. Well, first of all, the entire Taiwan policy of the United States is built on... having to run interference and completely unable to because Biden has said it explicitly. And this was CNN, um, his uh, one of the interviews with uh, Scott Pelley, who then also interjected that the White House spokespeople had to communicate with him and say that, oh, the president doesn't mean that. This is a disgrace. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy <laughs> has not changed. <laughs> oh. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Yes. Okay, so this is an interesting situation here where I want to point out that President Biden is absolutely and unequivocally correct and that I do truly and deeply believe that the United States should carry the exact same policy that we've carried out since Dwight D. Eisenhower stood there with his hands on his hips and dared Chairman Mao to say moo. And again, I, I just want to point this out so that it is very clear, Taiwan is the key interest for the United States in the Southeast Pacific, or, or in the, the Pacific Ocean in and of itself, it always has been. And to look at the situation right now and watch the Democrats try to flounder, flounder and play the ambiguity xylophone is, is hilarious because everyone who's old enough to remember the Cold War remembers that China wants one thing, and that's Taiwan, and the U.S. should basically stand there and and say that no you can't have taiwan you can't have a single inch of it in fact china you're west taiwan and it's only a matter of time a better uh, even bigger question here is not how is inter uh, u.s going to handle its international policy but who the hell is in charge here is it the chief executive or is it White House representatives? There is because not, they had to double back and then correct the president. Is the president in charge? There or? is not one person other than liberal suburban wine moms who believe that the president of the United States is currently in charge. There is not one person other than suburban white wine moms who believe that the president of the United States is actually in charge. And that's why it's so incredibly important for Republicans to get the issue of the nomination right and pick the best candidate 
candidate to go head to head against Joe Biden. And I know for us, of course, the choice is easy because who the hell would vote for Joe Biden? And yet there's a consistent, you know, 30 plus percent of the American population that says, oh, we think he's doing a good job. So I just want to pick a Republican candidate who actually <laughs> knows how to appoint decent people over the alphabet agencies because Donald Trump sucked up a storm. I voted for him twice. The man can't pick anyone to run any kind of an alphabet agency to save his life. Every single bureaucratic nonsense person that Trump and Biden have appointed have screwed us over. Well, he also left the uh, federal judiciary languishing with nomination picks, uh, which opened the door wide for Joe Biden to help select people to fill those vacancies and shape the uh, uh, character and direction of the judiciary for potentially decades to come. That was a failure of Donald Trump. Uh, you also have uh, uh, representatives like Hakeem Jeffries who are going to bat for uh, uh, Joe Biden and saying that Democrats and Biden, well, they're, they're the party of normal. Because we know that Democrats, President Biden, folks in the House and the Senate, we're team reasonable, we're team <laughs> normal, we're team get stuff done. <laughs> you serious? I don't want to do another four years, man. We're team normal. We're, we're team throw you in jail for exercising your First Amendment rights. We're team normal. We want to overthrow the Second Amendment. We're team normal. We want to completely alter how the Third through Seventh Amendments are read. We're team normal. We want to use the Fourteenth Amendment to give the president unilateral power over the debt ceiling. We're team normal. We want to throw away everything that built the United States, everything that we've worked so hard for over the last 300 years, and we want to toss it away. Yeah, that's normal. I, I guess, but hey, establishment Republicans, we just have to keep running these tap water, lukewarm campaigns like Mike Pence is running. I think we shouldn't go <laughs> after Disney or these corporations that receive millions a year in tax subsidies like Suzanne Crouch wants to do. The taxpayers don't need to, to be championed by the state. We really need to support Eli Lilly. That's who really matters. Did you see Mike Pence uh, at the biker rally in Iowa with his perfectly pressed, like, uh, uh, ironed leather jacket? He's, you know, he's a... It's a wasn't it like a leather vest, though? Yeah. He had, like, the like the leather like vest. the leather vest, yeah. <laughs> it was perfect, perfectly pressed. I swear, if I ever run for <laughs> office, I am not going to pander to absolutely anyone. I'm not going to come to your town and say, hey, I, I ate the, the corn dog of Seymour, Indiana, and it it's great. Are like, you gonna, I, no, are, I'm not doing that. You're not going to do the thing where uh, people who run in... In southern states suddenly develop a southern accent which is the cringiest thing when you get clips of audio of i people. will have the exact same northern henry <laughs> county hick accent sprinkled with a little bit of academia that i've always had i'm not going to the state fair to tell people i'm eating deep fried butter look how great i am no one cares there is not a, you go to kokomo no one from kokomo is going to be like he ate at the willie b diner he must really be one of us stop that crap Thanks for listening to Tony Katz today. I'm Ethan Hatcher. Tony Kinnett, together we're filling in. Stay tuned for more up next. With me, uh, producer AJ, pushing the buttons, beep, 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 and doing the things to make the show function. A couple of interesting d uh, discoveries internationally and locally. Uh, what was the oldest thing that you have ever personally come into contact with co-host uh, Tony Kennett. What do you mean? You mean like the oldest person I've ever met? Uh, no, like oldest object, old, old, objects of antiquity. Oh, say. oh, uh, I once had the uh, privilege to put on a pair of white gloves and hold uh, a, a bone that was 
uh, well, depending on your dating method, it was either 5,500 years old oh, wow. or uh, supposedly, uh, according to the carbon dating method, it was, uh, uh, I think, 148 million years old. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It was very, very cool. So I, I was a biology. What do you mean the difference between 5,000 or 1.4 million? That seems like quite a quite a, uh, well, a stretch. Depending on the dating method that you use, uh, the, the carbon dating method is incredibly flawed because we can't actually pinpoint what carbon uh, amounts, radioactive carbon uh, in the atmosphere was like. Uh, also, the carbon dating method, as well as the fossil layer method, uh, they don't work as well as they did in the 90s. And uh, there are a lot of interesting studies that reveal that basically it's just kind of broken. We really have no idea how old a lot of things are. Based on molecular degeneration methods, though, uh, most things around us, and I do mean like 99.9% .9 of things around us, according to uh, molecular degeneration dating, uh, don't actually get older than 6,200 years old. Uh, the reason why I asked this was because recently in the city of Carmona, they came across Roman perfume, which dates back over 2,000 years, and it was still sealed in the quartz bottle. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't this absolutely crazy? Uh, it was an uh, 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 um, archaeological team that was led by University of Cordoba's Professor Jose Rafael Ruiz Arabola um, in a funerary crypt uh, during an excavation in 2019. And it was in an urn and wrapped up in cloth and still inside were the sealed contents. So because of that, we can now test the contents and reproduce uh, the nature of Roman perfumes. And think that's so cool and we did also just discover in the last two years the secret of roman concrete like we finally discovered the secret of how roman concrete actually could repair itself and why it lasted forever wasn't it volcanic ash no it was it's this uh i think like help me out it's like limestone something there was like some kind limestone, of limestone a little bit of volcanic ash yeah it was and... the lime in the volcanic ash yeah. yeah but the lime would like help like leak Re in yeah. and self-repair when it would crack that's why it's lasted forever but if anyone out there is interested in looking at a lot of these old things and like how certain things used to taste you ever think about food and drink and history there's a series on youtube called taste history with max miller and he has basically talked about everything from garum which is like the universal like worcestershire sauce that rome used to use on everything and he recreates all these things he's recreated like the very first fourth of july or actually the second of july meal by adams a lot of really cool stuff out there even our vegetables have changed their composition if you've seen like 18th century paintings uh, watermelons used to be sectioned and they kind of resembled pomegranates oh and and also the reason that banana candy doesn't taste like our bananas is because the species of banana that it was modeled after is extinct it no longer exists so the only remainder of that banana flavor is that like laffy taffy banana candy you're listening to tony cats today more content to come uh so stay tuned live from the heartland and the crossroads of america it's Tony Katz today. Welcome back to hour three of Tony Katz today. It's my enormous pr uh, privilege to be here. I'm Ethan Hatcher, joined by Tony Kinnett. Together, we are filling in, and producer AJ is helping the show function. Last hour, 
we had discussed a little bit about the alleged activity of the Biden crime family, as discussed by James Comer. Uh, contempt of Congress hearings now being held starting tomorrow against the FBI, which has refused to disclose documents which may corroborate evidence regarding their bribery, uh, years-long money laundering schemes, all that. And the Biden administration continues to deny involvement, administration officials having to run interference. John Kirby most recently I saying- I love this so much. There's absolutely nothing to these claims. There's nothing to see here. No, no, no. Middle of this. Go ahead. No, 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 I just, just to clarify, he doesn't just say that. His, his rationale for why there's nothing going on is fantastic. Play that clip. In the middle of this, there was a Harvard-Harris poll this month that found that 53% of the public, including a fourth of Democrats, believe, quote, Joe Biden was involved with his son in an, in an illegal influence peddling scheme. Uh, there's, of course, evidence that the president interacted with his relatives, associates from China, uh, Mexico, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine. Uh, so what do you say to the majority of Americans who believe that the president is himself corrupt? President, the president, the president has spoken to this. Uh, the president has spoken to this, uh, and there's nothing to these claims. So sad, very sad, sad. What I love about this more than anything is, so they're like, okay, so the president might have committed a crime. Uh, what do you say to the majority of Americans who think, hey, the president might have committed a crime? And when he's like, well, we, we talked to the president and the president was like, nah, I didn't do it. And then, hey, that's that's good enough for me, man. It should be good enough for you. This reminds me with uh, about Hammer and Nigel. So Jason Hammer uh, heard a lot of stuff that was going on down at Camp Atterbury and a lot of crazy uh, migrant destruction that was going on from the Afghan refugees. And uh, there was Bob Seagal from WTHR. He gets up there and goes, well, we, we went down there and we asked the Camp Atterbury officials and we were like, is anything bad going on? And they said no. And then he crossed his arms in a huff and he's like, so there. And then years later, the Pentagon was giving like $16 million to repair the damage from the migrants. And it's so it's so obvious. People go to the the and I've done this with Indianapolis schools that I've reported on. And I've said, oh, look at all of this garbage that's going on. And then the Indianapolis Star goes up and says, well, we talked to the school and the school said everything was fine. So there. So what you're saying is we've seen this routine repeated many times where, quote, our internal investigation revealed that we are innocent of all charges. I talked to Jim Lucas. Hey, did you drive <laughs> drunk? And he's like, no, everything's fine. I swerved to miss a deer. Oh, yeah, just and then drove on rims for like six miles. Well, I mean, who hasn't? Didn't want to create an oil slick in front of the carpet business, so we pulled out back. You know how it goes. <laughs> I, I always miss deer and start oil slicks. I, I, yeah, I'd also drive like it's Mario Kart. So I, I'm just amazed that anyone still believes this. It's like, oh, well, we asked him. It's like, hey, Al Capone, are you responsible for a lot of gang violence? No, we've always been very reputable, good community friends. From all appearances, it looks like the, the Biden administration was absolutely involved in influence peddling, was absolutely involved in helping to pad his son's business career and getting him appointments in uh, petroleum-managing corporations like Burisma without having any uh, 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 experience in managing energy or energy policy, etc., in his dealings with uh, 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 family members, um, it, the, the list goes on. 
You know, Ethan, when I got into journalism, I didn't go to uh, Ball State for, for, for journalism school. I didn't go to The Ohio State University for classes on how to uh, do journalisming. I didn't. Uh, I was a science academic. I reported and, and wrote papers in, in science and education. And we had this crazy idea in the science world that when you made a claim, you cite your sources so that it's not really me making an argument. It's the sources that I've provided. If I've ever uh, accused of anything... I don't tell them, well, actually, I'm perfectly fine. I show them my sources. If the Biden administration wants this to go away, don't you think they would say, here are the sources that show the president was never involved in this, that, or the other. Here are the president's text messages and emails with his son that show nothing happened. But they don't do that, do they? Even the mainstream media is starting to pick up and report on the impropriety, the mysterious impropriety surrounding the Biden administration and investigations regarding family members, including his son, Hunter. This reported on by CBS that the FBI had mishandled information, according to insiders that reported to them. So obviously CBS, not right-wing bastion, not Fox news not opinion uh, uh based news they're just you know purportedly reporting uh the the facts of the day and even now the mainstream media is forcing being forced to report on these activities which would seem to indicate corruption surrounding the biden family that would thusly lead the majority of americans to believe that corruption exists cbs again here's the report sources tell cbs news justice department whistleblowers have raised concerns over the FBI's handling of Hunter Biden's investigation. Oops. Or rather, an investigation into Hunter Biden. Allegations include irregular handling of evidence and a claim that, quote, standard investigatory practices were not being followed. They also claim that disparaging evidence related to President Biden's son was labeled as misinformation. The FBI said it has no comment. And this is happening at the same time you have a former FBI director saying that there's no other choice for president of the United States besides Joe Biden. So it looks like to me, Tony, there's some partisanship and preferential treatment going on at the FBI. But we're not actually reporting on this anywhere. You know, again, you look at the, the Gannett publications right now who are, aren't actually using any of their time to report on these credible allegations and, and things that really should concern the majority of Americans like the Gannett publications, like the Indianapolis Star, yeah. the, uh, Minneapolis, the Minneapolis Star Tribune at the time, although before it was shut down, uh, the, the Columbus uh, Dispatch and other organizations like those, uh, they spent so many hours and, and months and years going after every hint of a Russian allegation with Trump, and they're completely silent now. I don't see any Indianapolis Star reporters reporting on this. Do you? No, and Gannett has its own issues with the Indianapolis Star. Oh, this was, does This was a story... Ever. That we forgot to mention in the first hour, an incredibly impudent uh, and impotent uh, display nice. <laughs> of uh, liberal outrage from the staff there at Gannett. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this, uh, Tony, and their problems with the Indy Star. So first of all, it's important to note that Gannett Publications, a.k.a. the USA Today Network, a.k.a. every newspaper that has the, the light blue text and the gray text at the top, so like the Indy Star, they're losing 
subscribers annually. So back when I was a kid, you would subscribe to the Indianapolis Star and your local newspaper for us. It was the Courier Times in Newcastle, and you would pay an annual subscription. So I can reveal based on insider information from someone at the Indianapolis Star that their subscriber count has plummeted in the last 10 years because, and I want to make this very clear on the air, the Indianapolis Star political and news journalists are horrible at their job. They cannot hide their bias. They have been caught lying repeatedly, especially their education reporters. They are obsessed obsessed with LGBTQ, all kinds of nonsense, and they're very entitled journalists who have lost the Indianapolis Star hundreds of thousands of dollars per year are now upset because the Indianapolis Star will not pay for their cell phones. They feel they don't have fair contracts. They're forced to work some days, and, and that's just too much. So they're going on well, they're not, they're not really going on strike because the last couple times that Gannett newspaper staffs went on strike, um, Gannett just fired a bunch of them. <laughs> so uh, instead, they're going on a byline strike. So, uh, Ethan, here's what that means. They're, they're not hiding their bias. They're hiding the byline. So they're, they're, they're writing the same articles for the Indianapolis Star, but they're leaving their names off of them. And uh, wow. no one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's, Nobody it's even great. knows because there aren't any subscribers for the Indianapolis Star. I used to subscribe to the Indianapolis Star. We had a subscription arrived every day on our front uh, front doorstep. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to read it, go through, and then you know, yeah. Now, no, not as an adult, and I'm certainly not going to pay for their damn paywall. Get around that. So the the byline strike is still going on. Gannett has made no moves to negotiate because, again, they don't have the money to negotiate. They're shutting down publications. They don't have money to hire more woke journalists. And, and all kinds of nonsense. And this is so fantastic. There are journalists on Twitter, because of course they are, uh, who are, are writing things like Carolyn Beck is withholding her byline. That's her new uh, Twitter <laughs> name. Okay. Tony Cook is withholding his byline. Sarah Nelson is withholding her byline. And no one cares. Wait a minute, though. No one wait, cares. Wait a minute, though. I thought the byline was their name. So if they're putting their name in the withholding the byline, then aren't they really just putting the byline there? Now you don't know which articles are by who. Ooh. I, I wonder if anyone other than the mothers of those reporters have at all cared that there's no longer yet another NPC pasted name over an article that isn't worth reading to begin with. It's fantastic. I, I love it. I hope that Gannett shuts down the Indianapolis Star, and I, I'll buy it. I'll buy the Indianapolis Star for $5. Well, you'd be able to. They're uh, supposed to be the paper of record, and in their coverage of the Indianapolis 500, they were misspelling names of drivers, of the owner. Can't get basic facts of the story didn't right. They, didn't they shop out their Indy 500 coverage to another organization? And, and that's what's amazing to me. This is the that's Indianapolis. Why the names wrong. It's the Indianapolis Star. That should be one of the only things that you're covering perfectly. They can't even do that right. Like I said, I'll buy the Indianapolis Star. I will, and it'll actually be a newspaper that will, you know, tell you the weather, tell you the sports, and maybe for a couple years uh, we won't have journalists that are filling the newspaper pages with a bunch of nonsensical dishonesty that that they have to retract more often than not. No, the Indianapolis Star, obviously a shadow of its former self. But what a waste. Fortunately, other areas of the new media, including our very own station, are riding high off the wave of support as people go to find the coverage that they want to hear. You know, it's a real shocker to think that WIBC has, again, higher and higher ratings by the month, that Hammer and Nigel and Tony Katz are swimming 
in listeners because again they're just reporting the news and they're also entertaining you don't feel like you're tuning into some program to be lectured it's marvelous we got more listeners than the indianapolis says subscribers by a factor of several times and isn't that just fantastic glorious and thank you dear listener for helping us make that happen stay tuned for more on tony cats today i'm ethan hatcher that's tony kennett and we're filling it raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to mcdonald's for mcnuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor come to mcdonald's and treat yourself to the grandma mcflurry today and participate in mcdonald's for a limited time life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. With Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kinnett filling in producer AJ on the board. And Tony, I wanted to get your thoughts on this pilot program that's being introduced by New York City. Oh, I like pilot uh, programs. (laughs) The bastion of uh, logic that that is. Now, while Eric Adams doesn't believe being overweight is connected to uh, being unhealthy, he does think your food choices will cause global warming. And so, therefore, the city of New York will begin tracking food purchases in an effort to cut, quote, carbon emissions caused by food by 30% by 2030. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, stop. Wait. Oh, sorry, th- sorry. I- not 30%. They're going to achieve a 33% reduction in carbon emissions from food. So sorry. I- <laughs> New York City is to begin tracking yes. the food purchases of its citizens. You know, just through the public institutions, not every citizen, just the ones that use the public institutions. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's going to track New York City citizens and ensure that uh, I guess you know they're going to they're going to track who's buying what because I guess if you eat a Twinkie and instead of a Ding Dong, uh, then that's that's more global warmingy. I, I'm I don't we have bigger things to worry about right now than whether your McChicken has increased I'm pretty sure that uh any celebrity in their private jet in one flight will have made more global warming impact with one cross-country flight than my entire life eating the occasional burger Mayor Eric Adams and representatives from the Mayor's Office and Food Policy uh, and Mayor's Office of Climate and Environmental Justice announced the programs last month at the Brooklyn Culinary Center run by NYC Health and Hospitals, the city's public health care system, just before Earth Day. This is coming roughly at the same time that he's also signing into law new legislation which would supposedly prevent height and weight discrimination, erroneously stating against all facts and basic common health that being overweight 
is unrelated to an unhealthy lifestyle, but the choices of food that you eat is related to global warming. This is the insanity so are, from Mary. Are we Eric actually Adams. going to reach a point where we have like meat quotas for people in, in New York? So you go up and you're like, oh man, you know what I could really go for today? Be like, awesome, five guys. So you go in there and you hand the person your card and you're like, yeah, I'd like. A, a double bacon cheese sounds awesome today and she looks at you and goes i'm sorry you have exceeded your meat quota for the month she goes back and reaches in and gives you like a a, a weird handful of moldy lettuce and some cockroaches oh no she'll probably give you a handful of lucky charms which we'll get to right after uh, eric adams and this uh, crazy soundbite i'm a person that believes in uh, health uh so when you talk about not discriminating against someone because of their body type it's not fighting against obesity it's just being fair and so I think this is this is the right thing to do. We, we, we're going to continue to talk about uh, our progressive health agenda. And science has shown that body type is not a connection to if you're healthy or unhealthy. Oh. I think that's a misnomer <laughs> that we are we are really dispelling. Okay, now I say they're probably going to give you a handful of lucky charms because taxpayer dollars have funded a three-year study from uh, the Tufts School, which concluded... Oh, no, not the Tufts School. <laughs> ...that lucky charms is healthier than ground beef. So joining in there with Mayor Eric Adams, they're going to cut your ground beef content because y'all, you know that ground beef is the leading cause of global warming, and instead they'll give you some lucky charms, which is much healthier for you than beef you understand according to this nutrition study wow that's magically suspicious <laughs> i don't understand the, the same government that said that we really need to abide by the food pyramid it's like eat all of your calories and your cholesterols and your carbohydrates and then really you know try to limit the meats and the fruits and vegetables that you're intaking you just got to have lots of bread uh, apparently lucky charms is healthier than meat i i don't understand has anyone actually measured in a qualitative study what quote-unquote progressive health, whatever that means, has it actually ever improved anyone's health? Because I see the people that show up to the protests, and you know what, Ethan? They don't look healthy. Yeah, they don't. They don't look very healthy. I uh, just, I, I, oh goodness, I saw, I, I watched Antifa, and I mean actually the genuine organization Antifa of Southern California, show up to a school board meeting last night in Glendale and get absolute, like, the snot beat out of them by Armenian and Hispanic parents uh, and the individuals that Antifa sent to the fight, um, that was a crowd, man. That was one petting zoo. That's all I can say. So I, I bet they ate their Lucky Charms that morning. It's interesting that you mentioned the food pyramid because this is why it's a, it's important to note government interference with health and the taxpayer funding of studies like this because after the implementation of the food pyramid starting in what was it, the late 1970s, early 1980s, it basically coincided with the precipitous rise of obesity and heart problems across America because, like you mentioned, they concluded Ah, just load yourself up on bread and carbohydrates, limit dairy products and meat, and now they're doubling down, telling you to chomp down on Lucky Charms instead of some ground beef. There is this not, is absurd. There is not one civilian federal agency, <laughs> from the Department of Agriculture to the Department of Education, that since its founding 
has done one thing by any discernible metric to improve its field. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has not increased the quantity or the quality of the agricultural system in the United States. The Department of Education has not improved reading, literacy, mathematics, qualification, or civics understanding in any subject in any state that it's involved in. The Department of Energy has not increased the amount of energy that the United States has produced, and on and on down the list. When the federal government gets involved, whatever it's involved in is about to get worse, yeah. bar none. Uh, the most frightening word or a phrase in the English language, uh, I'm from the, the government, government and I'm, I'm here, here to, to help. help. <laughs> now concluding that you should be chowing down on Lucky Charms instead of a steak. Absolutely obscene, ridiculous, stupid, asinine. They actually say that an egg fried in butter is also healthier than, than ground beef. <laughs> so, uh... What can you even do with eat that? Eat your bugs, everybody. Eat your sugars. Eat your grains. Eat we'll the bugs be, and you'll be happy. The, we'll be the back weather will change. With Tony Katz today in just a few minutes. Stick around. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.